Wow, this is quite a group. Uh, as Father said, my name is Sarah Vetch. I live in Rapid City. I'm a member of Blessed Sacrament. I currently am serving as a campus minister at St. Thomas More High School. The cool thing is they pay me to pray. I don't know how much better a job can be, so, so that's great. Uh, before that, I was a stay-at-home mom for 18 years. I have four young adults and a beautiful, wonderful husband that I share my life with. Let's pray. Dear God, I surrender to you wholly as I give this talk tonight. Let my words be your words tonight. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus, I trust you. Amen. Amen. So in week one, we heard from Susan, and she told us about God's love. And how cool it is that God loves us so much, he's willing to just go to our deep, dark places and just be there with us. That's how much he loves us. And then Randy last week talked about our need for salvation, how we as sinners um, are loved by Jesus, and he comes alongside us to help us change those behaviors that keep us from him entirely. And so tonight I'm going to speak to you about new life in the Spirit. God the Father has an offer of new life for every one of us. Our friends, our families, our foes, no exceptions. It's open to everybody. And that offer of new life is so important that Jesus came as a man, but he himself was baptized. And he submitted himself to the movement of the Spirit. Scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 3 that this is how it went down. Later, Jesus, coming from Galilee, appeared to, before John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to refuse with this protest. I should be baptized by you, yet you come to me. And Jesus answered, Give in for now. We must do this if we would fulfill all of God's commands. So John gave in. And after Jesus was baptized, he came directly out of the water. And suddenly the sky opened and he saw the Spirit of God descend like a dove and hover over him. And with that, a voice from the heavens said, this is my beloved son. My favor rests on him. That's a beautiful passage. Powerful passage. Me being who I am, I always back up and I look at the story behind the story and what leads up to it. So this story is written in Matthew chapter 3. So we're very shortly and very quickly into the book of Matthew. But chapter 1, of course, we have the genealogy and the birth of Jesus. And then Jesus is exiled because an evil tyrant is trying to kill him. He comes back. He's the carpenter's son. And then they have a, a great description of John the Baptist and his, his cool outfits that he wears and, you know, the paleo diet that he's on. And... <laughs> 
And it's interesting because I want to read this to you. John is baptizing in the Jordan, and it's a baptism of repentance. People are confessing their sins. But here's what happens. Here's what intrigued me about this, the story behind the story. When the Pharisees and the Sadducees were stepping forward for this bath, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? Give some evidence that you mean to reform. Do not pride yourselves on the claim Abraham is our father. I tell you, God can raise up children to Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the tree, and every tree that is not fruitful will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you in water for the sake of reform, but the one who will follow me is more powerful than I. I am not even fit to carry his sandals. He it is who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand. He will clear the threshing floor and gather his grain into the barn, but the chaff he will burn in unquenchable fire. So, you know, we have this beautiful, ah, this is my son and who I will please, you know. But right before that, we have John getting after it and saying, he's calling people out, right? Here's the deal. If you want to get baptized and your intentions aren't sincere, you better strap it on because it's going to be a bumpy ride. Get ready. Get ready. And I'm just really interested by that passage and the story behind the story. Jesus, who, who submits to baptism, the Son of God submits to baptism, is that ultimate role model for embracing the Holy Spirit. He doesn't come like the Pharisees on condition and on tradition, and he's not hedging his bets because, oh, maybe, maybe this baptism thing's a good thing. Jesus just comes. He just comes. And lo and behold, the heavens part, and the voice says, this is my son. That spirit that was laid upon Jesus in his baptism empowered him to go forth and do what? Teach, preach, heal, discern, do all those marvelous things. And that all started at baptism. In Luke chapter 4, let's skip to another gospel and see what that has to say about the situation. Here's what's really cool. Jesus is owning it like a boss in Luke chapter 4. <laughs> Verses 18 and 20. Here's what he says. He unrolls the scroll and this is what he says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Therefore, he has anointed me. He has sent me to bring glad tidings to the poor to proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and release to the prisoners, to announce a year of favor from the Lord. Ro I love this part. Rolling the scroll, he gave it back to the assistant and sat down. Can't you just see him taking that scroll and going, boom, nailed it, that's where I'm at. You know, the people who drop the mic today, they do this whatever and then they drop the mic. That, that's what he, he's owning it like a boss. The spirit is in me, and this is what I'm doing. And I'm not doing it because I'm cool, and I'm not doing it because it looks good. I'm called to it, and I'm empowered to love and to heal and to free those captives, to announce a year of favor. That power, that spirit, 
that is available to us today. And let's back that up with scripture. Let's go to Acts chapter chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And I love this Easter, I love all this Acts the Apostle stuff in the Easter season. It's the best. All right. In my first account, Theophilus, I dealt with all that Jesus did and taught until the day he was taken up to heaven. Having instructed the apostles, he had chosen through the Holy Spirit. In the time after his suffering, he showed them in many convincing ways that he was alive, appearing to them on the, in, over the course of 40 days and speaking to them about the reign of God. On one occasion, he met with them and he told them not to leave Jerusalem. Wait, rather, for the fulfillment of my father's promise of which you have heard me speak. John baptized you with water, but within a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that is straight out of the horse's mouth. It doesn't get any more real than Jesus saying it to those apostles. And he says it to us today. As for my faith journey, I'm a cradle Catholic. I received the sacraments, you know, baptism at two weeks, first communion at age seven, um, confirmation in eighth grade. Those sacraments of initiation and that power, of course, I didn't get it. Looking back, I wish in eighth grade I would have gotten it. It would have been so much cooler. Like those, those of us in the room that got confirmed this Easter vigil or baptized as an adult, that's so cool. You get it. The power. The Easter vigil was so cool this year. Blessed Sacrament is great. Anyway, let's talk about that for a minute because we aren't the only ones who might not get it. That little eighth grade me that didn't get it. In scripture, there were people also that didn't get it. This is Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. So the plot thickens. There's people back then that didn't get it. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior of the country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples to whom he put the question, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They answered, we have not so much as heard that there was a Holy Spirit. Well, then how were you baptized? He persisted, and they replied with the baptism of John. Paul then explained, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He used to tell the people about the one who would come after him, in whom they were to believe, that is Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord. But as Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down on them and they began to speak in tongues and utter prophecies. They were in the company of about 12 men in all. So even that early church, we see, we see the movement of the Spirit, we see the confirmation that there's, there's baptism of repentance of water and baptism of fire. And so tonight we're going to focus on that baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, the beauty of our Catholic faith based in scripture and sacred tradition, excuse me, um, tells us that there's always more. There's always more fire. At every stage, every age, 
no matter where we're at on our journey in this Catholic church, there's always more for us. And tonight we're going to explore the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. Last week, Miss Bridget gave a t- beautiful testimony about who God is to her. Does anybody remember what, how she related to Jesus, the special name she had for Jesus? The king of love my shepherd is. That's how she relates to Jesus in a really personal way. Tonight we're going to talk about different ways we can relate to the Holy Spirit. And they do have, okay, good, I'm going to get my whiteboard on. Okay, so who the Holy Spirit is. When we accept the offer of new life that God has for us, and we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, um, we are called to know God, the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity, um, in a like manner to what Bridget told us about last week, how she came to know Christ in a personal way. So I'm going to talk to you about some attributes of the Holy Spirit, and maybe that will help us relate a little bit more to who he is. Breath. The Holy Spirit is breath. All of us need O2 to live, right? Basic need. All of us need the Holy Spirit to breathe spiritually, to move, to live, to have our being. The Spirit helps us see God's love and presence in our everyday life. Every moment, every breath we take, come Holy Spirit. Fire. I liken that to when you're training for a race. I'm, I'm kind of a runner, but every once in a while I'll, I'll set a goal and I'll train for a race. And once I have that plan in place and I know I have a goal, I have a fire in my belly to get up and do my workouts. And I don't know if any of you ever experienced that in your exercise routine, but you... You, you're excited about the work ahead, and it's not going to be easy, but there's a fire in your belly to go forward with that. The Holy Spirit fire is that thing in your gut um, that every day I want to go forward. you got a fire in your belly. And that's what I would like in Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit in fire. And then this is wind. We see what the wind does, but we don't see the wind. There's fluidity, there's movement, flexibility, surrender. Jesus, I trust you. <coughs> Come, Holy Spirit. Breathe in me, breath of God. <coughs> we let the Spirit go where the Spirit's going to go. And we go along for that ride. Okay. Seal. So Holy Spirit, God, Holy Spirit, the seal. Back in the olden times, if you wrote a letter to somebody, what did you do? You put a wax seal on it so that that letter was only seen by the eyes it was meant to be seen by. Holy Spirit seals us, keeps us pure. We are sealed with the Spirit as we go about our everyday so that our eyes see what we're supposed to see, so that our ears hear what we're supposed to hear, and so that our mouths say what we're supposed to say, and not more. 
advocate. Helper. So when I was a young mom with four little ones underfoot and uh, we were starting this adventure of grade school, I remember having a concern about school and another mom, older and wiser than myself, said, you are your child's best advocate. If you do not advocate for your child, no one else will. Guess what? God the Holy Spirit, he is our advocate. He will advocate for us as we go about our journey. And in communion with that, helper. I get by with a little help from my friends. The Holy Spirit gives us the strength to choose Jesus as our Lord, our Savior in the center of our life. We are not without help. Not on the darkest, ugliest, no good, very bad days of our lives. The Holy Spirit is our helper. If you take all of these attributes and add them up, and you think of the scriptures we just read and the power present in God the Holy Spirit, there is nothing routine about it. And yet every week, when we say the Nicene Creed at church, we say, we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. Jesus said, I came that they might have life, and they might have it to the full. God, the Holy Spirit, lives and moves and breathes in us that we might have life to the full. That being said, growing up a cradle Catholic, uh, I related to Bridget's testimony in the fact that Bridget said last week she was very good at being very good. My family looked very good. We were, went to church on Sunday and And I was sent to a Catholic school. I thank God for that education. We were big into rules and regulations. Funny story, one time during Lent, I was eating crackers, and my mother came up to me and she said, what are you doing? Eating eating crackers, Mom. Chicken and a biscuit. On a Friday. (laughs) In Lent. You cannot eat those today. Really? They look like crackers to me, Mom. (laughs) So we are very good at following rules in my house. My growing up, my growing up, uh, I'll just throw it out there. I was sexually abused as a child. And there was... To go along with that, in my own woundedness, trying to be very good so that I was worthy of that love. Worthy of God's love, worthy of my parents' love, my peers' love. So I was a straight-A, good athlete. I had it down. I had it down pat. So everything looks really good. So if it looks really good, it must be really good. Um... I found David, high school, college sweethearts, 
told him about the abuse and he did not reject me. Praise be to God. We were married. We start out on our path and our journey together. And all of a sudden, you know, the dynamics of in-laws and outlaws. Uh, we start noticing things, you know, things in, in my family, not his or mine and Dave's family. Like, things just aren't really healthy. And so we began a healing journey. About the time that I started noticing that things in my house aren't quite right, those chicken and the biscuit moments on steroids, um, we were placed in a small parish in eastern South Dakota in Freeman. And as we're knee-deep in little babies trying to get through the days, we are planted in a parish where there are people on fire for the Lord. They are joy-filled. They are peaceful. They work hard. Their happiness does not depend on the size of their bank account or if everybody looks perfect at church on Sunday. They are joy-filled. And that was very attractive to us as a young couple. And these people, by the love and grace of God, just welcomed us in and just kept inviting us and including us and loving on our kids. And dang, that was good. That was so cool to see people that like, loved each other and liked each other. That was cool. Um, so we got involved with those people at church and then joined a prayer group in Yankton that they were a part of as a charismatic prayer group. And we made a Life in the Spirit seminar one weekend. And man, we started this good healing journey. It was good. Wasn't easy. Just like John the Baptist challenged those Pharisees to get the crap out of their lives and be authentic, we had to do that same thing. <coughs> Man, that was, that was challenging, and it's still challenging. Um, we had to strap it on. It's been a bumpy ride. But I wanted to be on the ride. During our Life in the Spirit seminar, Dave and I were both baptized in the Spirit. Um, and I think of that... O oh, beauty ever ancient, O oh, beauty ever new. All the truths and the teachings of our faith, they're so ancient, but they're so alive. And that Life in the Spirit seminar um, just poured graces on us. And, and, and we became alive a little more each day. That breath, that oxygen. Once you get oxygen, you just, you know, it's like being up on Pike's Peak and you can't even walk across the parking lot because you are exhausted. And all of a sudden you have oxygen and you can... You can do what you need to do when you need to do it. Most of us um, are familiar with the fruits of the Spirit. If we talk about Galatians, we did a Bible study at Blessed Sacrament once on Galatians. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Oh, that's very common. But that baptism in the Spirit showers charisms and gifts on us that we aren't always aware of. Or maybe we haven't heard of and we're not familiar with. So we're going we're gonna to delve into that as we go through our journey here. Um, gifts like wisdom, healing, knowledge, fortitude, fear of the Lord. Um, charisms like hospitality, administration, teaching. If you want, I'm not going to go through them right now, but 1 Corinthians 
chapter 12 and Romans chapter 12 have those in more detail. Um, the talk right now is designed a little bit more about testimony, so I'm going to tell you a little bit how my life was affected by baptism in the Spirit. Uh, my prayer life, I've always been a prayer journaler since I was 16. I have boxes of prayer journals at my house. I should probably burn them. <laughs> um, but I always did mass readings and journal. I, I just always have. And it's interesting because after my Life in the Spirit seminar and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me a little more, my prayer time began to start with praising God. I praise you, Jesus, King of Love. I praise you, Good Shepherd. I praise you, Holy Spirit, fire. I praise you, God the Father. I start my prayer time not focusing on me. Somebody's got a test tomorrow. The car just blew up. How am I going to get the house painted? Blah, 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 blah. No. I praise you, God. I praise you, God. The same God who declared, this is my son. I praise you, God. So my prayer life became less self-centered. It's not about me. And instead of reading the daily mass readings, I began to pray the daily mass readings. Psalms especially. I don't know what it is about psalms. My husband can't handle the psalms. He's like, I don't relate to the psalms. Blech. But I'll read the psalms and I'll go, oh, it's right where I'm at today. So it's really interesting. And the Old Testament... Oh my gosh, you guys, I have to read this to you. So in Isaiah, I love Isaiah. I, man, he's the coolest. Um, here's, here's something from Isaiah that just mm, hit me right where I lived. This is the manner of fasting I wish, of keeping a day of penance, that a man bow his head like a reed and lie in sackcloth and ashes. No, do you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? This rather is the fasting I wish, releasing those bound unjustly. Who are you holding grudges against? Untying the thongs of the yoke. Who are you making it difficult for? Who are you being hard on? Setting free the oppressed. Breaking every yoke. Sharing your bread with the hungry. Sheltering the oppressed and the homeless. Man, my in-laws are coming this weekend. I'm going to have to wash the sheets. Okay? Clothing the naked when you see them. And not turning your back on your own. Don't turn your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall be quickly healed quickly healed and your vindication shall go before you in the glory of the Lord your rear guard then you shall call and the Lord will answer you shall cry for help and he will say here I am what is not to love about the Old Testament seriously I love the mass readings and again the gospels we get to see what Jesus did what he thought what he said our Savior. (coughs) 
That being said, the gift of baptism in the Holy Spirit isn't about me. So when I'm given a gift, it's to share with the body of Christ. Through those scriptures, <coughs> I will no doubt run into somebody and those scriptures will come to mind and I can give them a word of encouragement. So God gives that gift to me. I can internalize the word and then I can share it. That's really cool. Another gift I received by baptism in the Holy Spirit is receiving visions. Visions can be public or private, and I'll give you a couple examples of those. Um, I was a part of a prayer group in Bismarck, North Dakota when we lived there called Moms in Prayer, and we prayed for our school, every student, teacher, and staff. Um, and one time we were praising God as protector, good shepherd, um, and as we were praying scripture, I got a vision of gold cords being wrapped around our little school. Just enveloping our school in protection and God's grace and mercy. So I told the people I was praying with that day, this is what I see, here's the image. So I shared that for their benefit to echo how they were praising God. Personally, the most significant vision I've gotten recently. Um, my husband started a new job in January, which is in Minnesota. So I'm a work widow. And as I was transitioning into that life, that solitary life, I was praying one night about being lonely. And I got a vision of the seas, the choppy seas, the Sea of Galilee. And there's a fishing boat. And the apostles and Jesus are on it, and so am I. But I'm in the hull of the boat, and I'm curled up and I'm sound asleep. And Jesus is saying, Don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. You can rest. I'll get you across the sea. So that's been a huge gift that the Holy Spirit has given me. And when you give a, you receive a gift, you have to discern, is this for me or is this for somebody, you know, is this for me to share? And so I would just, I would just say, that will come. Don't sweat it. All gifts are cool. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the ad campaign on TV like 10 years ago, BASF. We're BAS, BA, BASF. We don't make the things you use, but we make them better. Does anybody remember that ad campaign? It was the strangest ad. They'd show like a cassette tape or, a, you know, just some technology of some sort. And then they'd just have this narrator. We make the things you make better. I think the Holy Spirit's like that. He gives you gifts. You know, you have a prayer life. You have faith. You do good things in his name. He just amps it up, makes it better. He's like BASF. <laughs> so in, on that note, same thing. After baptism in the Spirit, the sacraments become more lively confession and just oh I can't oh my gosh I, I love to go to confession as embarrassing and hard and humiliating as it is I love it it's good for me tongues who here is fascinated by the gifts of tongues intrigued wondering about it curious so tongues is the least of the gifts 
Um, but I came home from my first Life in the Spirit seminar, and I was laying in bed that night, and all of a sudden I hear, mm -hmm. and I'm looking around, did I just do that? And, and it was a bubbling up, that's all I can say. And, and that gift grows as, as I prayed with people, and I went to prayer group, and um, became more confident in that gift, and the, your prayer language will change. It's, it's, a, it's great, it's great. But there's people that get interpretation, and oh my gosh, mind-blowing stuff that, the, that God does for the building up of his church and his body. It's mind-blowingly mind cool. I'm reading a book right now about this priest who got the gift of healing, literally put his fingers in a guy's ears and, and healed his damaged hearing. I mean, like, why would we limit God and put him in a box? You can go, God, you can only be this cool. He's like, ah, I can be this cool. <laughs> don't, limit, don't limit gifts by what you don't understand. Go with it. Just go with it. Oh, beauty ever ancient. Oh, beauty ever new. This stuff has been going on for thousands of years. We are not inventing a new wheel here. We are opening ourselves up to breath, fire, wind, advocate, seal, helper. That's all we're doing here. And it's been going on forever. So, as for me and my baptism in the Holy Spirit, God knew that I needed healing and I needed joy, and he put Dave and I in this little dinky parish in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, and it happened. And he's so faithful. We have strapped it on. It has been a bumpy ride. Life, life, life just is. But with the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, you can do it. And you can do so much good for his people. There's so much joy in sharing your gifts. Don't you guys always feel better when you give? You know, you truly do receive more than you give. So that gift is offered to all of us, new life in Christ, baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's why we're here. Thank you. Carmen Horton up, who's going to be our, our witness speaker today, so let's just pray over Carmen. Gracious, loving God, we just ask you to send your spirit upon this beloved daughter, Carmen, filled with the joy of the gospel, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak uh, through Carmen's heart, uh, her ears and her heart, that we might uh, be more uh, alive uh, through your witness, that we might be hear your words and that it may become alive in our hearts. So we bless you this night, Carmen, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh, hi. <laughs> um, so I grew up Catholic, was baptized when I was four, um, and we were super active in our parish um, and had a really good community there. Um, but I don't think I like ever had any kind of relationship with God. I remember like once when I was maybe like ten or eleven, like journaling something, like a note to him about like loving him, and that was probably the extent of it. Um, <laughs> um, and then um, in early high school, we uh, actually switched churches, and so we just didn't have that same involvement. Actually, we had like no community connection right to this place. Um, and then shortly after that, like. 
things happened in my life that were just very hard, right? And so I didn't have God. I didn't have community. I didn't have what I needed, right, to handle it. Um, but I got to move the next year. So I kind of just got to, like, set it all aside um, for a while and, like, get a new identity and a new shot, and everything was great. But by the time I got to college, um, everything that I had kind of set aside had kind of started to fester and implode a little bit. Um, and so I just really struggled a lot. Um, my identity as an athlete was gone. My identity as, like, my career and what I was planning for was gone because I switched majors and... Um, yeah, and just really, really, like, all of that, like I said, was really starting to affect me, right? So I struggled with a lot of really intense anxiety, um, like, not being able to go to sleep at night because I was so, so afraid. Like, I'm not going to wake up in the morning. Um, just waking up uh, so exhausted from sleeping because I was, like, screaming at people in my dreams. Like, I was just so angry. Um, and, like, just really terrible paranoia where, like, every 10 seconds I would see someone, like, come and shoot me, right? And so just, like, just every, like, I mean, just couldn't, I was just not well. <laughs> um, and so by the time I got out of college, like, I was at least, like, kind of start, starting to get better. Like, at least some of this was a little bit more um, infrequent. Um, and about two years ago, I'd been out of college for a couple years, and it, I had worked through enough of it because I was really on a search, like, for truth and for answers and for something um, that I was open enough that when God sent me a super holy woman um, and just was starting to like share the joy of who God was, what was God, what was possible with God, like I at least was like open enough to like, like wow, that's way different than what I've got and that's really cool. Um, and so through her persistent love and attention, like somehow enough seeds were sown that I ended up um, that year at an Ash Wednesday Mass, first time in forever. Um, and it just had a really great experience, and I thought, well, that was nice, and, you know, ready to go on my way and not really go back. But anyway, um, so, but I used that period of Lent just for my own spiritual practice of doing something for 40 days. And so I was trying to get rid of a lot of things in my life. Like, I just felt like something was coming, I was supposed to get rid of for it. I didn't know what that was, but, um, so I got rid of everything but my day job. And thinking, well, if that's responsible, I should keep it. And so, <laughs> right? Like, you know, minor detail. So, um, but I just was hit again with this really intense anxiety, right, that I had experienced before. And um, a lot of the times, again, it was that same sensation like, okay, um, I'm not going to wake up. But this was like just the most <coughs> intense, like, chest pain and everything. Like, I was so convinced, like, okay, I'm going to die of a heart attack tonight, like, this is going to happen, like, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, physically, like, I was so certain this is happening, and so I went to my mom's house, because I didn't want to die alone in my apartment, <laughs> and so I'm just, like, laying in her bed, like, just totally realizing, like, I am not in control, there's nothing I can do about this, like, I cannot stop this, um, and so just, like, closing my eyes, and just finally, like, letting go, and surrendering, and probably praying the very first prayer, like I've never prayed my whole life, and I just kind of declared to God or the universe or whatever is out there, okay, like, what do you want me to do, <laughs> right? Um, and just got a very clear image um, that it was time to quit my job. So I did, and um, obviously I had no plan, no preparation, no nothing, right? And so um, just that whole summer, I mean, that was really, I guess, the beginning of my faith journey um, in relationship with God, because I over and over and over, like, came to this spot of like having no plans like terrifying crippling fear like I've got nothing and I cannot do this so like that temptation of okay well call the day job and just go back it'll be easier to take care of yourself or this like 
conviction in me, like, okay, but no, surrender. There's, like, trust that you'll be taken care of. So I just had to hit my knees, like, over and over and over all summer long and just, like, beg him, okay, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And just seeing him, like, come through in the hugest ways, like, with, like, delivering answers and, like, throwing things together and just making amazing (coughs) things happen, um, which actually led me to Washington State. um, And kind of like Sarah, like, he just kind of scooped me up and put me in a new place. um, That just kind of opened me in a new way. So two days after being there, finding this woman online who I'd never met to live with, but two days after being there, um, I met a woman in my house who invites me to Mass, right? She's cute and old and lovely, and so... I thought, well, I guess, you know, I'll go. <laughs> so, um, but really fought getting out of the car. But so anyway, went, and it just, like, everything in me, not like an intellectual, like, ascent to it, but just, like, in my bones, like, it just felt right, right? So, like, in two weeks, I'm, like, signed up for RCA to get confirmed. I'm in a rosary group. <laughs> I'm volunteering at a cafe. Like, I'm just all in, right? So, and two weeks after that, I'm, like, maybe I'll be enough. So, okay. <laughs> so... So yeah, so that's like October, and I just like threw myself into that. I spent all my time there, really just very active in the church. In January, I like had an assignment from a class to like do some like breathing exercises, and I thought, oh, I guess I could do that in the chapel. You know? So I started going to the chapel every day, and then I looked around and I thought, well, people usually come for an hour, so I started doing daily adoration. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and then I was doing a class about um, like the new year it was not a Catholic class in any way, shape, or form. Um, but you're supposed to, like, do this visualization about, like, what you're taking with you and what you're leaving behind. And so I did the visualization, and I, like, ended up, I was in the church, and I was sitting in a pew, and it was all empty, it was just me there, but the monstrance was right there, and Jesus in the Eucharist. And so I'm just sitting there staring at Jesus, and uh, all of a sudden, like, I mean, just all this black sludge just starts, like, pouring off my heart, right? And underneath what it's revealing is, like, the gold of the monstrance. And so Jesus came up behind me with a nice little gold ciborium, and he took all the black sludge away, right? And uh, then I, like, processed out of the church in this, like, fancy white gown with, like, the monstrance and the Eucharist where my heart should be, right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So very soon after that, I'm like, okay, I got to go to confession, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's been a really, really long time. And uh, so I showed up. Thankfully, it was an hour-long night, because I had a few pages to say. Um, right, and uh, like, like I said, I just really was on this quest and really, really seeking so hard for truth. And I'd get like a little nugget here, but then like spend more time or pay more money and you'll get a little bit more, right? And so, um, but I went to confession and I like handed over all these pages of things. And I like walked out and I just went and sat in the chapel and just like, was just like so floored. Like, this is it. <laughs> this is the answer. Like, it was here the whole time. Like, just being able to breathe again for the first time, just like such a huge release. Um, and again, just like, wow, like this is it. Just so convinced. And so just, I mean, I think that sense of talking about like fruits of the spirit, just this absolute like power, like in conviction and like not even like I had to try to do any of this. It was just like automatic. I went home, I threw away like so much stuff that was like not a part of any kind of life that was ever going to lead me to Jesus. Um, got rid of a whole bookshelf of books, a bunch of old journals that were all junky, like, just left a bunch of stuff and just, like, dropped my nets, I guess, right, and just turned. My life was different. And so, um, like, Jesus so, so totally, like, took that opening and cleared the space for him, and he just, like, rocked my world, like, that Lent. Um, Just, like, the most powerful experiences of his love and, like, just finally getting to, like, hear his voice and, like, have conversations with him about, like, what kind of life he wanted to live with me and what kind of adventures we were going to go on and people were going to meet and, you know, just 
awesome things, right? To just be so connected to him and to hear him and connect, like just, wow. Um, and yeah, like I just did feel like the apostles, like busting down the door and just wanting to tell everybody, because like this was so real and this is so awesome, right? And all y'all need to know because <laughs> it's so good. But um, yeah, and so just really being blessed by that and getting to be confirmed as an adult, totally consciously choosing it and just begging like for more of the Holy Spirit. I knew this was a real thing. I heard of baptism in the Holy Spirit and I was like, well, I want all of that. Like, I don't want to like, don't want to be my side that holds you back, God, because I just, I need it all and I want it all and I'm in, right? But um, not really getting a whole lot of support in like, you know, what does this mean and what is available to me and whatnot. But anyway, just taking a big journey with him and just like I said, really being blessed by all of these experiences of his love. Um, yeah, and just he's asking me to do some really big things, like coming back home was very hard because I was in this little cocoon of this awesome community, and I found him here, and I pray like this, and this is where he's at, right? And um, yeah, just being really scared. My friends kept saying, it doesn't sound like you think Jesus is going to come with you to South Dakota. <laughs> 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 That really probably was, I mean, I was, like, so terrified, right? It sounds insane, because obviously he's here. Look at this. I mean, he's, like, really here today, right? But, um, yeah, just so, so afraid, because I knew, like, I could not be without him. It was so hard to live without him. I could not do it again. Um, but being really, really blessed by getting to have confession that first week I came home, just a really powerful experience. And, like, for me, absolutely, confession has been the touchstone uh, for me to connect with him. Like, like I said, adoration, like these huge experiences of his love and like bursting heart, like so full. And I was like, wow, this is what I needed. This is the love I've been craving, right? But um, there's just something so different about confession. Um, that's just a different kind of love, right, that I really needed from him. I heard this story once about a kid who went into a school and he was his intention was to like do a school shooting, right? And, um, but the vice principal had tackled him to stop him and this kid is like fighting him, fighting him, fighting him. Then all of a sudden the vice principal realizes something has shifted and this kid is not fighting him anymore, right? And he's, um, he's just weeping in this guy's arms. And so the vice principal just like, you know, acknowledges this kid is so hungry for love, right? And so he just grabs him tighter and just holds him while he weeps, right? And so, yeah, these experiences in adoration, like mountaintop, huge, phenomenal things that I really thought, like, that's what I need, that's what I'm craving, like, that's what my heart is aching for. Um, but really in confession, like, coming to him with these, like, storms raging in my heart, like, being so frustrated and so scared, right, and so sad and so angry, like, in response to all these things, like, my weakness, my limitation, the way things are not panning out, like, I'm not living up to what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not loving him like he deserves to be loved, you know. And so just, like, coming in, just raging with all that in my heart and, like, fighting up with him until, like, all the way to the last minute, I think, you know. But getting to hear, like, those words of absolution is, like, to me, that, that sense of, like, finally getting to just be totally embraced in his arms as, like, you know, I've been fighting and fighting and fighting him. And then he just keeps, like, holding me, right? And he's saying, like, I'm not going anywhere. I see this horrible, worse stuff about you, right? And I'm just here, and I'm not going. And so, yeah, it's just, I need that. I think that's the love I needed way more and didn't know, right? Um, but, yeah, it's been amazing. I feel like I've been doing this forever because he's been so generous, right, to just, like, help with the past and kind of blanket that and make my heart a little bit fuller and all that. But, um, 
yeah, anyway, just want more, and uh, I need help, and so thank God for confession, and I mean, pray for me, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah,